alone. I believed in my dream alone. But when I broke the wall, I saw you stand alone. I didn't feel like I'm a stranger to you. Now you are like a magic, pushing is a nostalgic. Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 189. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today talks about video games. I actually played uh, uh, quite a few games this week, although some of them are kind of uh, games we've talked about before. Um, I mentioned it over the uh, the last week or so here that I plan to get back to Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet uh, because I played through the main game and all the downloadable content or paid downloadable content uh, uh, for it. But I think it was like a year or even maybe even longer ago, uh, they added an additional piece of content to the game called the Mask of the Abyss, which was actually free DLC they added. I think it was right before Sword Art Online uh, Alicization Lacoris came out, or, or I think it was around the time that game was being talked about that they announced they were going to be doing this uh, this final uh, DLC pack for this game and um you know it's it's pretty fun actually like i I would say most of the downloadable packs in the game have been fairly disappointing overall um for various reasons one is they didn't really do what i wanted them to do story-wise um and they also kind of didn't highlight um or they they asked you to like repeat a lot of the content in the game and things like that And, and and this game definitely doesn't go too far out from that um it basically uses a lot of the same you know dungeon design and structures like in the previous game but at least it's presented in a new fashion where in this case you're essentially uh starting in a in a tower um and as you in, in, in this tower your levels and skills and equipment are all reset so you're basically starting from level one and you your uh, inventory is basically temporarily disabled while you're in this area or rather not really temporarily disabled but you, you have a fresh inventory specifically for this tower um so it's actually kind of nice that they did it that way because you know somebody who hasn't played that game in a while uh, it was nice to be able to just kind of start from scratch again and kind of work my way back up i mean the the story content was only about two hours long there's definitely more there the dungeon is is for like i think it's maybe 11 floors for the story and then and then i think it goes on from there i'm not sure how long it goes if it's infinite or what um but but it was a nice way to kind of jump back in because i was able to kind of play around with a lot of the 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 skills and stats that i didn't really get to uh when i was building out my character initially because if i was just using my my standard character i would probably would just use the skills i've been using all this time uh in that playthrough to to kind of push my way through that content so it was a fun way to explore um new weapons and things like that i hadn't really wor- used before i hadn't really used the melee weapons that much in the game um and i also played with uh uh, with uh, some of the more burst fire, fire kind of pistols, which I which I ended up not liking that much, um, um, but I, I I thought it was it was nice to be able to just like kind of start anew and have a character that like very quickly leveled up and and I got to kind of like try out new new weapons and skills. The biggest problem is that there's a lot of inventory management um, because there is just so much gear that drops in that game and and when you're in the dungeon, especially when you're not able to like easily go back to town and sell things. Or, and things like that. Um, it, it, it's a little frustrating having to manage your inventory all the time. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. And it finally did the thing I was hoping sort of online Fatal Bullet, Bullet would do um, in terms of story. Um, and, and we'll get into... This is going to be a little bit of sort of online Fatal Bullet spoilers here. So if you're not interested in hearing about some spoilers, uh, maybe skip ahead a few minutes. But uh, the character I liked a lot in sort of online Fatal Bullet was a character named Itsuki, which is kind of a um, a, a guy who's like a head of another uh, clan in the game or whatever. 
And uh, he has this really weird relationship with you where he's always kind of uh, deceiving you in a lot of ways and lying to you. But he kinda, you, you kind of always come back around to like, this guy's actually a good guy. And we're just like, you know, we're, we're, we're buddies. And he like builds this relationship with you in a way that he um, basically... I think I think if I recall correctly, gets like obsessed with you to some degree, um, to the point that like when when he gets almost like jealous of other people being being like really good friends with you, and and it gets into the whole like sort of online, uh, you know, oh well, if I can't have you, I'm just gonna kill you in real life, kind of weird thing, right? Um, it, it gets into that kind of weird stuff, and 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 by the end of that story, he more or less kind of realizes the error of his ways, but also realizes he also tried to kill you, <laughs> so he kind of just disappears at some point, uh, not really getting his story point really resolved. Um, so this game actually does finally kind of cap it off, or this downloadable content finally kind of caps that off. Uh, he more or less just kind of shows back up and asks for forgiveness, and uh, and that's kind of it. Which uh, honestly, like, I I don't really blame them for handling it this way because that character Itsuki um, is so integrated with your character in that game, your creative character in that game. Because Kirito's not the main character that game. If you play it, he's just kind of like a lead role in terms of one of the NPCs you work with. Um, um, your character is the the one who has that relationship with Itsuki. And unless they allow you to import your character in a future game set in the, you know, GGO, I think it's called GGO, the, the, the Fatal Bullet slash Sword Art Online 2 MMO kind of um, um, uh, world, unless they set another game in that world with Itsuki, um, it, it's going to be really hard to... to explore him any further than that and, and the sort of online games typically bring in characters from past games and and kind of integrates them in they're all made by a bunch of different developers so i'm not sure if they like overlap too much to be honest um i'm trying to think i think i think her name was philia from sort of online hollow fragment i think she shows up in fatal bullet if i recall correctly so i think there is some overlap there um i don't know if itsuki showed up in alicization lacoris or not um so so yeah i'm glad they finally kind of capped off the story with him um and and i was you know <laughs> it just took them the, the last dlc to get to it and they also did it in maybe the most unremarkable way possible to kind of wrap it up but i'm glad they they got some closure there with him and and it had a, it was a nice scene overall. Um, like it it was a I don't know I I think the relationship between your character Itsuki in that game is is a really fun and and kind of special one in a lot of ways, despite him trying to kill you. <laughs> so so yeah, but uh, I had fun with it. And I'm, I'm, I I I there's a lot of content in sort of like Fatal Bullet that that honestly I would be interested in playing. There's a lot of multiplayer based content I believe. There's like PVP modes and things like that as well. Uh, that I think the anime esports group actually that that hosted the Jet Girls games, I think they do organize sort of online con or uh, games from time to time. But I think it's on the Switch version. I'm on the uh, PS4 release. So, so but just the the fact of the matter is, I think is that unless I get somebody to commit to multiplayer and sort of online Fatal Bullet with me and and doing that on the PS4 version specifically because I don't think I'd replay through Fatal Bullet at this point. Um, I, I don't see myself seeing seeing more of that game at this point. There's definitely more I could do, but I would rather go on and play Alice from the Chorus than I would um, uh, spend more time with Fatal Bullet at this point, I think. So I'm glad I wrapped that up. It was like two hours to get through that. And, and I was like, that's a, that's a nice way to just cap this game off. 
and just kind of put it on my shelf for good, finally. Um, the other game I kind of revisited was Final Fantasy XV Comrades, which if you don't know, that's the multiplayer add-on for Final Fantasy XV. Um, and I played about uh, 20 hours of it before. I actually did a quick play for it. And and I really enjoyed it at the time. Um, I, had a, I had a good time with it, and I got to the, the initial set of credits. But, but after that initial credits, they added more content to the game. Um, and so I knew that there was more stuff to do, but I just hadn't really sat down and explored what that was. And I think even now, after playing for like three or four more hours, I'm not sure if I fully understand what what the next part of that game is at this moment. Um, the, 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 the big things I've seen so far is that once you kind of start up the game again from there is you get access to a new hub. So, uh, if you remember the hidden, um, hidden Harbor and, and 15's main story mode, that's the, that's the new hub there. Um, and, and it, it basically has everything from the Lestalum, uh, uh, base, but there are some weird things missing. I don't know if I just need to unlock it later. Um, but like the donations box, you have to go back to Lestalum for some weird decisions like that, that are kind of annoying. Um, um. So that's that's kind of the big difference, and well, that's one of the big differences. The big difference is is that there's actually a change of progression as well. So if you don't know how Final Fantasy XV Comrades progression works, um, basically in the world of darkness, they have to provide electricity to all these outposts and things like that. And uh, so you go and you collect electricity, which you then use to build out a power network kind of thing. And uh, as you build up that power network, you get different rewards, you get access to new quests. That's kind of how you push the story forward. It's how you get new weapons um, uh, or like arms catalog, I guess you should call it. Uh, new hairstyles and stuff too. There's also like NPCs that can come and join your camp from those as well. Um, so that's the core progression and that still exists in the second half of the game. Um, but it's, includes a another aspect uh, where you raise chocobos. So you basically raise a chocobo and the chocobo has to meet certain stats. And once they meet those stats, basically the, the builders for the power network can use that chocobo to go build new power networks, which will unlock new quests and things like that as well. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Final Fantasy game use chocobo raising as a core feature. It's always like a bonus thing. Admittedly, like Final Fantasy XV Comrades is a side mode to Final Fantasy XV, right? Um, um, but in terms of the core progression of Final Fantasy XV Comrades, I'm kind of surprised they, they lean on that. Um, there's also like a randomness factor. You have to go like go on missions and like what mission has what missions have chocobos is random, but it will show you before you actually start the mission and whether it has a chocobo or not that you can capture. Um, and you just go and complete that mission. And then once you complete the mission, they're like, hey, you got a chocobo. And that chocobo can be anywhere between level 10 and I think 60. Um, and then you can level up their stats. Uh, I, I think there's like a specific way you need to be leveling these chocobos to get their stats high enough that you can actually utilize them um, properly. But I, I don't really know what that is yet. So I need to go down, sit down and like get get to a wiki and things like that. My, my biggest fear at this point, because I'm having a fun time with this game. Like, you know, 15 is a simple game in a lot of ways. You know, most of the game, you're just holding on circle to attack, like literally just holding it. You're not even pressing it um, like like, like pressing it each for each general attack, you just hold the circle button down when you want to go on the offense. Um, and then you hold down the square button for defense. But there's definitely um, strategy there in terms of like when you hold down the circle button, like sometimes it makes sense to let go for a second and then press it down again. So you do like a slam attack on enemies and things like that. So it's it's a really interesting game control wise, but it's also very simplistic in a lot of ways. Um, there, there's, there's a surprising amount of depth, but also not a ton, like as much depth as like say a God Eater or a Freedom Wars or something like that. There's also a weapon crafting system, um, but it's also pretty straightforward too. 
And I don't mind that. I actually am, am kind of okay. It's kind of like a refreshing thing to not have to sit there and like pull up a wiki every time I want to build a weapon. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, uh, but uh, I, my biggest fear at this point with this extra content is that it's going to be really long in, in terms of like grindiness. I, I saw that some of the required quests I need to do are like level 80 and I'm level 33 at this moment after 20 hours. So it's like, mm, is this just going to be a huge grind to get through all this content? And am I willing to do this alone? Uh, I tried to get some people interested a, a while ago in checking it out with me, but unfortunately ne wasn't able to get anybody to, to kind of jump on board. Part of the problem with that is that the whole World of Darkness thing in Final Fantasy 15 is kind of a a spoiler in terms of how it works and why there's a world of darkness and 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 how that affects the world and there's also like very clear spoilers in the opening dialogue for the multiplayer of like what the situation is um and and the ending of the original comrades is very tied into some late game re reveals about Final Fantasy 15 so i think that that kind of at least for me when i'm like trying to get people to join I'm like well if you haven't played 15 yet just so you know there are spoilers in terms of what the scenario is and the setup. And I think it's really cool, the scenario and setup they have. But but if you haven't played the 15, I, I do think it's a worry that you're going to spoil the main game for you in some ways. Obviously, if you don't care, then you can just jump right in. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah. So I think that's my biggest fear at this point is that the, the, the grind, I wouldn't mind doing the grind with other people. But just on my own might be kind of a pain, especially since the AI partners in the game are just not great. Um, especially on the defense missions, they just don't know how to do anything. And weirdly enough, you can't even join a mission without AI partners. So in the defense missions, they're literally a, 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 uh, detriment to your cause because, uh, they'll usually sit right by like the thing you need to defend and fight monsters right there. And then the monsters do AOE damage, which will then hurt the thing that you're trying to defend. So even if you have the ability to to finish a mission, um, your AI often will sabotage that mission just by not positioning themselves properly. And as far as I can tell, you can't give them commands, you can't remove them from your party or anything like that. Um, so it just kind of is frustrating. So I usually just kind of avoid defense missions, but sometimes that's what you have to do to go for forward, unfortunately. So there is a Final Fantasy 15 Discord that seems to have some people who are playing still. I, I don't know for sure that it's like super active or anything like that, but I could I could reach out to them and see if there's any like groups that are playing at a, a scheduled time or anything like that. But I imagine anybody in there is probably looking at late game stuff rather than like me being like halfway through the game kind of thing, right? So... So yeah, but I'm having a fun time with Final Fantasy Comrades. It's just a shame that, that the game's kind of dead if you want to try to get through it right now. I definitely would recommend playing at least the first 20 hours of Comrades. It's very fun and, and enjoyable, especially if you like Final Fantasy XV uh, combat system. So. so the last thing I played this week, uh, I was not expecting to play, uh, Buddy Mission Bond. There was a demo that went up on the Japanese eShop featuring the first two chapters of the game. And I've only played the first chapter so far, so I don't I can't speak for the second chapter. Uh, but man, I had a great time with this thing. Um, it's if 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 this is your first time listening, you don't know what Buddy Mission Bond is. Uh, it's just like strangely Nintendo DS-like adventure game for the Nintendo Switch. It reminds me a lot of Hotel Dusk, uh, Room 215, if you ever played that from uh from seeing in terms of like mechanically and aesthetically what's happening um you know it's, it's definitely i think the vibe is a bit different it's definitely more of like a playful anime vibe than, than something like hotel dusk um i say playful anime vibe but like the beginning of that game is just like this ridiculously <laughs> to me ridiculously sad story about like your dad uh 
you're not even your dad. You're like foster father dying and everything. It's, I, it got me all worked up, <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, but yeah, it's like this, uh, you know, very visual novel-y kind of looking thing with like character portraits in there talking to each other. There's a lot of like very dynamic manga panel kind of things that cut in, uh, for certain action scene scenes and things like that. And you have to do some detective work. So you have to look at pictures, identify clues, uh, you know, answer questions based off the clues and, and story points you've, you've explored at that point. You can also like choose different investigation areas and you have like an energy meter of how long you can investigate for, um, um, and then you also, once you've investigated enough, can do infiltration modes and you can kind of, uh, again, in the first chapter, it's like, it's, it's very like uh, handholdy in the first chapter because they're just kind of showing you how to play through the game. Um, but the, um, it seemed like basically you get information and then you can make some, use the information you have to kind of lead how you'll infiltrate and it sounds like there's possibly multiple ways you can kind of infiltrate a base kind of thing i i didn't test that in in practice but in theory that sounds like the the case um so so in the case of this one i had like a warehouse district and uh and you go inside and i think i think this is where it would diverge if you wanted to uh you can go in the front door of the warehouse which then you have to go power off the lights so you can sneak past the guards in the warehouse or um, go behind the warehouse and through like this this like debris field field and like a drunk guy tells you hey there's a flashbang in this barrel and you go and get the flashbang and you throw it at some some guards and then beat them up <laughs> um, um, so so that seems to be like where the divergence would happen and so it's like it's like a, a 3d game where you're walking around and things like that now it's very simple in what terms of what you're doing it's like you're just kind of pressing a on things to interact you're not like actively throwing a flashbang you're just kind of picking up the item and using it at a cut scene kind of thing um, um, but I had a lot of fun with it and it's it's really engaging overall um the, the the problem being this game's in japanese and it's very text heavy and it asks you questions about what's going on in the plot what information is being conveyed to you um and and depending on how you answer those questions um it'll build your hero ranking and if you get a, a high enough hero ranking you'll get like additional story cutscenes and things like that i don't know if there's a fail state if you can actually literally fail a mission or not um, um, but you, I'd imagine you can at least fail like your hero ranking and then not get the additional story. Uh, but what I did, <laughs> um, what I did was, um, I, I was, I've been recently using the phone translation app I have to play through a couple of Japanese games, or at least help me get through some things like when, when like a happy dance collection, when I need to figure out what kind of outfit I need to wear, I've been using that to like translate text on screen. So my, my lights I use for recording, you know, streams and, and me myself here as I sweep my hands in front of it, um, are actually makeup tutorial lights. So they're intended for you to have a light and then put your phone on it and then record your face when you're doing a makeup tutorial. Um, they're very cheap. Uh, that's why I got them. Um, and but they're very very handy. Um, and and they have phone clamps on them. So so <laughs> so I clamped my phone on one of them and and lined it up where I could put it in front of the text box on screen and translate the the, the text box. Um, and it works surprisingly well. Like, obviously, it's, like, you know, broken translation stuff. I don't know if it's based off, like, Google Translates. I'm going to guess it's probably not based off, like, DeepL, which seems like the the kind of current, like, hey, this is the best way to machine translate things. Um, but it worked really well. And and that thing I told you about earlier about, like, you know, learning about, uh, you know, the, I think his name is Luke, the main character, and the story with his father and how his father was killed and everything like that. Like, Yes, the translation is pretty messed up when you're doing it. Um, but 
you know, with with the voice acting going on and the emotion and the music, like what is happening in those scenes is conveyed to me. I get the facts about what's happening, or at least general idea of the fact of what's happening, and then I just get to like kind of feel the emotion of the characters in a lot of ways. Something I do a lot with other Japanese games like Team Innocent, where even though I'm not even translating anything on screen, I can be like, I I get it. Um, like I get, or I, I can at least have an idea what's happening in the scene. I, I get the feeling of how people are reacting and things like that. Uh, but in this case, like just having that extra bit of info just really helped. Um, and, and it worked really well. Um, you know, obviously this is not replacing a localization. Uh, I just have my doubts that this game is going to get a localization. You know, I can't say for certain, uh, but it's a Nintendo published game. Um, and it's Koei Tecmo and I don't know. Something about it just really feels not translatable to me. But even if it gets translated, I don't think it'll be a physical copy in the U.S. Uh, I'll buy it if it comes out in the U.S. for sure. Because you know, this game just, I don't know, it screams to me in a lot of ways. I like the style, I like the aesthetics, I like all the handsome men in it. Um, and I like the gameplay mechanics. You know, it has, it has. you know, I was talking about Breath on the DS recently. Where you have like mini games that you play during the, the visual novel segments. Has that kind of stuff where if you're chasing after a guy, you're like mashing the A button to run after him in the, in the visual novel segments segments and things like that so so yeah it worked pretty well actually and um and you know if you're if you're if you have a game that has uh that you really want to play through and and you're you don't mind getting that subpar translation uh i definitely say it's that's a decent way to do it um the big thing is is that uh when you have situations like this um where you're using like a camera translation app a game with a solid background behind text is is really key because if there's like opacity or other graphics that appear behind the text um it really hurts um the the phones or the translating tools ability to to dice decipher the text um the, the ideal thing to do honestly probably would be to uh, get a app on my PC that does the same thing, that translates text in real time via video source, and then feed my capture card into that um, and, and, and do that. But I just couldn't find a, a easy way to do that. Some of the translation tools I did find that kind of had a camera tool um, required you to take a screenshot. So you have to take a screenshot and then wait for it to process it where this phone app just translates in real time. So, so, you know, maybe if I got like a Android emulator and, and then put the, the, you know, translation tool on there and then fed my capture card into it like a webcam maybe i can make that work but honestly like when i have the camera in front of the screen it's actually like right below the screen and so i get to see the full frame of the game um and so what happens is i look at the screen you know see what's happening and then look down to see what the game what the camera tool translated usually takes a little time to translate anyways like uh, maybe like a half a second to a second um and then even even when it does translate or even even sometimes it will like have issues with like focusing so it might take a little little while and there's definitely text boxes i get where i have no idea what it's trying to say um, um but you know it gives me enough information so with all that said i pre-ordered a copy of Bu buddy mission bond <laughs> so uh that's coming out on january 29th there's a physical copy in japan um so i went ahead and ordered it via play asia it was only 60 dollars, which makes me think it was a budget release because i'd imagine importing most games from japan you're going to typically pay like 70 to, to 90 at launch. Uh, but I say that as somebody who does not import many modern games. That is not something I typically do. Um, so so Onichambara Origins has been the most recent game that I can think of that has really made me be like, I should probably do this eventually. Um, I, I, I haven't really been paying attention to the price of that thing. I, I probably should be keeping an eye on it. Uh, one thing I did do, probably shouldn't have done this, um, Steam Prison 
the Hunex visual novel that was actually pretty successful on Steam, I think. It has pretty high reviews, and I, I saw a lot of people talk about it. Um, uh, Steam Prison uh, is getting a Switch version. If it doesn't already have a digital Switch version, I can't remember. Uh, but the the Japanese physical copy has English text in the game, according to PlayAsia, at least. On their, on their page, it says this game includes English text. Um, so I went ahead and also imported that. So that is my, my, I think my first modern Hunex Switch release. All, but I also think it's like the only Switch or Hunex release that came out in English, uh, maybe since Industrial Spy Operation Espionage. <laughs> so there's probably some weird simple series stuff that got like localized in Europe or something that I don't know about yet. Hunex has made so many games and, and, uh, you know, I, I'm working on it. You know, I, I got, I got the, the Silvery Peak. I haven't even got sat down and, and finished up here yet. So so we'll get there though. We'll we'll play some more Hunex games. Um, I think Buddy Mission Bond is going to be a focus once it gets here. I'm gonna play Chapter Two I think this week, and then uh, and then once the actual physical game gets here, I think I'll make it a priority to sit down and play through it. Um, I just I'm really excited for that game and uh, and and want to spend the time on it. So. Yeah, and that's pretty much all I've been playing this week. Um, um, so quite a bit actually. Um. Which I'm glad because there hasn't really been a lot in terms of news stories this week that I really want to talk about. There's a couple of Nintendo trailers. It's kind of weird. Nintendo's like forsaking uh, Nintendo Directs now and just kind of like uploading videos directly or, or trailers directly to their channel, which um, is is fine. But it does kind of like I'm sure it gets to the most of the eyes that they need to get to. Um, but I feel like if there's not like a event that happens I, I i'm usually less aware things happen i think like i didn't even see the pokemon snap trailer until like two days afterwards and i think I, how i found out about it was through a ocarina of time speed runner being asked about it and it was just like man i just missed this entirely um admittedly i only check in on news stories probably like once a week at this point checking on on the weekend and just kind of wrap up the whole week so um, yeah, but, but yeah, Pokemon Snap, you know, it looks really great visually. Um, I know Pokemon Sword and Shield was got like pretty negative remarks in terms of graphics. You know, I kind of expected that given how Pokemon has handled its, uh, visuals on, on past platforms, black and white looks, you know, kind of underwhelming for a DS game. I feel like, and that was like the first one that was like, we're making real use of the, the DS's hardware. Um, and then, and then even Pokemon XY, uh, on, on 3DS, I think, especially put alongside like Yokai Watch, just just did not look great. So when Sword and Shield came out and also was kind of like, eh, visually it's like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Pokemon Snap looks looks great visually. Admittedly, it's on rails, but you know, whatever. Um, I think the big thing, and, and, and before I get too much into this, like I'm really glad Pokemon Snap's being made. I, I'm glad Pokemon spinoff games exist. Those are the games that I'm going to be most interested in. That's why I picked up Pokemon Channel, because it's a weird one. Um, but... Pokemon Snap just doesn't really have anything going on that I am personally um, excited about. Uh, uh, you know, again, I think it looks great, and you know, obviously they're adding new Pokemon. You get the upgraded visuals, and I'm sure that I'm sure there's going to be more to the game than, than the original Pokemon Snap. But what they showed off so far just looks pretty straightforward. I'm like, you know, that's cool. I'm glad this game exists, but uh, I don't I don't think I need to play new Pokemon Snap. But hey, glad 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 they're doing it. And uh, hopefully, hopefully there's some cool mechanic that I that just hasn't been shown off yet. Um, the other game I'm actually much more excited for is uh, Super Mario 3D World uh, 
Bowser's Fury. I was I was you know initially interested in this game because I haven't played that much Super Mario 3D World. I played a little bit on the Wii U with my brother-in-law. Uh, I think I got through maybe about half of the game or so. Um, but th with the online multiplayer, that's exciting for me because I don't really have anyone to play to play locally with. So if I can get somebody to play with me, I, I would like to do that. Um, but the other big thing with this is uh, Super Mario 3D World or uh, Bowser's Fury, the the, the Bowser Fury content. It, they showed off this trailer showed off that content and it looks like really distinct for the rest of the game it, it, you know i think it's using the same graphics engine and everything i'm gonna guess it probably feels very similar in terms of controls and mechanics and things like that um but it looks like a behind the back 3d mario kind of experience in terms of like being very similar to mario odyssey so so that's kind of neat and exciting um and it's also i'm gonna guess it's gonna be kind of a a compact game that they they shove in there or a compact adventure that they shove into that Bowser's fury stuff i'd imagine this won't be very long um but if they put that out and they uh and they make that something you can just kind of jump right into um i'm really excited to check that out I, I might just check that out as soon as that happens i forget when that's coming out i feel like it's maybe march or something I could be wrong about that, but but yeah, I think I'd be willing to go ahead and sit down and check out Browser Fury because I don't know if I'll be able to get anybody to play 3D World with me anytime soon. Um, and I think that that part I definitely want to do in like a, a a multiplayer experience, at least two people. I'm really impressed so far by like how much work it seemed like they put into that Bowser's Fury stuff. And, um, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't be too surprised though, because, you know, obviously Super Mario 3D World is probably one of the better selling Wii U games, right? Um, so, so they probably need to add a lot of value to resell that game to Wii U owners. Um, I never got it on Wii U. Again, a big part of it being that I didn't really have a local multiplayer uh, environment that I could play with other people. And that game seemed very focused on the local multiplayer component. Um, so I just didn't really see much of a need to pick it up. Uh, it's probably why I've always been more interested in Mario 3D Land on 3DS, but haven't actually grabbed it yet. <laughs> Someday, one day I'll pick up a copy of that. Um, but yeah, uh, which, which kind of, this is, Kind of brings up the question per usual. I feel like every time a Wii U port comes up, uh, I saw people talking about, hey, what's left on Wii U to port? And, you know, the Xenoblade Chronicles X fans are like, oh my god, we gotta get this ported. And for sure, Xenoblade Chronicles X should be ported to the, to the Switch, for sure. Um, um, but I, I really hope, just kind of as a side note here, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torn of the Golden Country, and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Future Connected, which they added to the original Definitive Edition update for the Switch. Um, I hope I hope with Xenoblade Chronicles X, if they add new content like that, it remains content you can just jump right into. Uh, I would worry a little bit with just the structure of that game and how that game works that they might not go with that approach um, if they do add any content. I think Xenoblade Chronicles X is an inevitability on the Switch at this point, um, but but if they make it so like the add-on content is a like it's played through the main game again, you know we just got out of this nightmare. I don't I don't want to tackle that anytime soon, right? Like I I have so many other things I want to do. I I can't imagine retackling Xenoblade Chronicles X in the near future. So I hope if they do something like that, that there's a way I can just jump right into that content. So. Um, the big game left for me that I think I would want ported, and and maybe maybe it's mainly just for the fact that uh, it's a little difficult to get a copy for a reasonable price, at least a physical copy. I haven't looked to see if it's available digitally. Is uh, Devil's Third? I I really want to check out Devil's Third. I'm a big fan of games that mix melee action and uh, gunplay. Uh, Red Steel Two is a big like one of my favorite Wii games. 
Um, and and I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus, which I maybe more gun focused, but there are melee elements to that game that I think are interesting and juggling you can do and like kind of shooting characters in the air while they're after you've juggled them and things like that. So so I I like that kind of game and Devil's Third feels like that kind of game to me. Um, it's a shame you know the multiplayer isn't around anymore. Um, I would I would like to check that too, but admittedly it's probably completely dead. So so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlBoard.com is the website. In terms of what's coming up um, soon, uh, this week I have a Ridge Racer DS casual review going up on Wednesday. So please look forward to that. I enjoyed doing that review. I had a good time. And I, I, one thing I'm like, if I re-recorded it, I, I, one change I probably would have made is that I've made a couple of mentions of realistic racers from time to time. Not calling Ridge Racer a realistic racer, but I was thinking about like other games that you know, are more set in real world settings with like traditional, you know, uh, sports cars and things like that versus like a Mario Kart. And I said like realistic racer like three times when Ridge Racer is far from a realistic racer, right? If you think of like what a realistic racer actually is, it's just like the setting is realistic. So um, that was that was one thing that I probably would have changed um, in hindsight or at least reworded a little bit. But if somebody gives me a hard time about it, I'll just respond to it in the comments and be like, I'm sorry, I meant this. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Um, the Valkyria Revolution review is done. This is a featured review, review, although it is a a essentially a video version of my previous written review of Valkyria Revolution. Um, although the script has changed quite a bit, um, also I kind of changed some of the the priority of what I talk about in that that video bit based off you know kind of how my feelings have changed probably about that game over the years. Um, so so that's going to go up the first Tuesday of February. So please look forward to that. Um, and then for streaming, uh, last week we played, uh, um, Jumping Flash for the PlayStation, had a good time with that. Um, and we also played, uh, Megatsudo 2096, which is a PlayStation, uh, 3D mech arena fighter. That was actually, uh, really neat and really fun. I, I might put a little bit more time into that. Um, but you know, I have a lot of games just kind of lingering about here, so I don't want to <laughs> commit to too much right now, but you know, I will keep it in my mind in terms of things I can just kind of sit down and knock out maybe in a handful of hours, um, and then and make like a review of kind of thing. Um, in terms of what's going to be next after the Valkyrie Revolution thing though, I'm still working on that, but I think I'm kind of split between two things, probably the Billy Hatcher review and, um, the, uh, another video I started working on actually, uh, kind of about a little bit about a, 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 um, interesting bit about Ocarina of Time's development that I, I feel like has not really touched on super a bunch. I looked at some of the, uh, the Ocarina of Time development history wikis and videos, and this particular, um, I guess you could say speculation about how some of the game worked, um, um, isn't really touched on much, although I did find, uh, the cutting room floor had mentioned, uh, the, the, the likelihood that the game functioned in this way. It's, uh, about a user face interface element of the game. So, um, I, I will, I will let you know how that comes along. I have a script kind of written out for it. Um, but the big thing is, is that I got to kind of finalize what that video is going to look like. Um, because you know, it's gonna, it's probably gonna be similar to the Chibi Robo video in terms of how it's positioned. And, you know, Ocarina of Time has kind of a, a larger reach outside of what I normally would do. So trying to figure out what I want to position that video as in terms of like, you know, pulling people into the channel, probably push them to my Castlevania 64 review as well as, um, I'll probably point them to the Chibi Robo video as well. Um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that comes along. I'm not hundred percent sure on that one yet. And, uh, but you know, this, I think the beginning of this year is going to, um, 
be a little flexible on what we're working on, uh, but I think we're going to get quite a bit done because a lot of groundwork has been laid um, for the the items that I have planned. Um, so so I think we'll 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 move forward on that. Uh, in terms of what's coming up stream wise, though, um, we're going to get back to industrial spy operation espionage. So if you want to come in and check that out, uh, we'll be doing that Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time this week. Um, this week might be a little bit boring because I'm going to be doing the castle level we tried before uh, and failed miserably at and probably just following the game facts guide as we go through it um, because that just looks like a nightmare and finishing that level on stream, I think is not really going to be an option uh, naturally. So we'll, we'll, we'll go step by step in the game fact guide, see if that works out for us and then, uh, and then go from there. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. I hope you have a great week. Bye.